0: Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the podcast where we believe that the best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. I'm Lisa Joe Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And a few of my favorite ordinary things are sleeping in on Saturdays, rereading old books and late night conversations with my teens.
1: Lisa Joe, I love a fire in the wood stove, that first cup of coffee in the morning and flannel sheets on the bed. As usual, we are recording on the third floor of Christie's hundred year old farmhouse called
0: Maplehurst. And while we wish and actually plan to invite all of you to join us here at some point, the next best thing is to get a copy of Christie's brand new book called. Placemaker, which is a behind-the-scenes look at all the nooks and crannies of this very special place. In the words of one of our favorite online nesters, Michael and Smith, she says: if you appreciate beautiful stories about house and home and all the many ways places change us as we go about changing them, Placemaker is the book you've been waiting for.
1: But Lisa Joe, Placemaker isn't just about this old house. It also tells the story of every place that came before, from our first tiny apartment in Texas to a condo in the big city of Chicago, from failed DIY to a barn raising and all the trees I fell in love with along the way. I recommend pre-ordering your copy today as a gift to your future self, and maybe as a gift to a few of your friends, too. Look for it wherever you like to buy books. It will be in your hands March 12th. So I think I'm
0: still chuckling about last week's podcast episode. If you haven't listened to it, um, it's kind of a fun precursor to our conversation today, just because of one story I'm going to piggyback on. Uh, that episode, though, is called Why We Were Wrong about Marie Kondo. But in that episode, Chrissy, you shared the best story about your reaction to one of the construction guys who's been at your house and you guys are redoing your front driveway. Uh-huh. And you said something that I feel like only a woman would say. I've thought about it since you told that story because I'm just like, would a man say those words as if it was negative? Because you said that the guy was looking at the driveway and he's here to do some electrical work to fix your Wi-Fi and he didn't have the right tools. And then the reason he expressed his frustration about not having the right tools is he said to you, I didn't know it would be so big. Referring to your driveway.
1: (laughs) You're right. And I felt shame in that moment about my over-large driveway. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like only a woman would have that reaction.
0: Like, it's too big. Big is bad. I need to diet my driveway somehow.
1: I don't know. I didn't think about that, but there might be something to it. I should ask my husband... If he Yeah, we should any, really
0: know. We need to do a test with John yeah. and just say,
1: if you if he said this to
0: us, would you know, you what's your felt- take? No, no, don't even prompt him what he would have felt. Just say, what would your reaction be yeah. if a, a man told you, Oh, I don't have the right tools, I didn't know your driveway it would be so, so big. big.
1: This is a really big he said, This is a really big driveway project. <laughs> Which I
0: feel like most men would interpret it as a, as a positive thing. Yeah, you know, right. big job, manly. Yes. Need big tools. Whereas as women, we're like, oh no, is it too big? I need to shrink myself somehow. Gosh, you
1: could be right, Lisa Joe. Isn't yeah. that interesting? Yeah. And I,
0: uh, one of my favorite, it's in strange transition right now, but they promise they're connected. But one of my favorite slam poetry readings I've ever seen done online is by a poet called Lily Myers. And she does a poem about that's entitled Shrinking Women. Oh. And it's all about this idea that women are trained are taught very early not to take up too much space, Mm -hmm. whether it's in the conversation or it's in their own bodies, what they allow themselves to eat, how they dress, this idea of wanting to shrink yourself so you don't take up too much space. And it was funny because when you said that, that somehow you felt like it was negative, right, Mm -hmm, that your mm -hmm. driveway was big, How strange, because I I guarantee you, if you talk to that man, he would never have thought he was somehow demeaning you or your driveway.
1: Maybe. You, <laughs> I promise you. I promise
0: you. Oh, my gosh. If you are listening right now, you must pause. Are you doing it? Pause the app. Take a screenshot. And then please tag me or Christine, Lisa Jo Baker or Christy Purifor and let us know was the man. <laughs> In some way, making a pejorative comment about the driveway when he called the project big. I'm so curious. Please tag us and let us know. You could just say, yes, he was insulting you or no, he was just commenting on the scope of the work.
1: Because I'm thinking, is it too big? (laughs) (laughs) Have we made a mistake? How can a driveway be
0: too big? As long as it's not like, you know, a runway at an airport, you're okay. But I was laughing about that because it really got me thinking about this the notion of how we let people pin labels to us mm. with their words mm. and this was just a very everyday ordinary kind of moment mm-hmm. where something was pinned onto you that you then received as a as perhaps truth, yes, a negative truth yes. in this instance. Whereas, Mar- you know, in our previous episode with our darling icon, Marie, she's able to pin a positive truth onto people that right. they might not have seen. Right. You received this as a negative, whether it was intended that way or right. not is right, how right. you received it. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't have been interesting if you had followed up and said to him, what do you mean by that? Right. Do you think we designed it wrong or do you just right. not have enough tools? Right,
1: right. So but, the wire just not long enough. Right. This, right? Yeah. But isn't it interesting that you assumed a negative version of that story. I did. And do you know what? In that moment, I'm remembering, I immediately... I don't think he was even interested. I immediately started explaining the rationale behind <laughs> your driveway. driveway choices. Isn't that funny? Yeah. That you empowered that word to have yeah. such a negative
0: connotation that you then felt the need to justify yourself. I did. I did. And you said in that episode, you then waited on the deck for when I arrived to right. see what my reaction was, worrying. Maybe my first words would be about how, how it big was, it too was. <laughs>
1: Wow, it's so big. But you didn't. You said it was wonderful. I
0: love it. It's just (laughs) right for the house. Yeah, But it just got me thinking so much about my own, not even just my childhood and my adulthood, too, where I have received labels from other people that I have allowed to take on much more meaning Hmm. than I think was ever initially intended. And, you know, we recognize that there are, of course, much more dramatic moments that a man say, your your driveway is big. (laughs) There are much more cutting, cruel moments. Um, unacceptable labels that people give us. But in this show, part of what we try and do is unpack our ordinary stories, what's Mm. happening in our ordinary life, because they lead to extraordinary journeys that we go on. And so, I think sometimes we don't realize how many ordinary moments we pass by and give them more power than they're entitled to, to a negative degree, And what would happen if we paused instead in those little tiny blips on the radar of a day, and internally, we're like, wait, wait, I don't think I want to pin this label to my body. I'm not pinning too big onto my driveway, (laughs) which is really pinning too big onto your dreams, onto your plans, onto your hopes, and denigrating something that's very, very beautiful. Yeah. And so, it made me think a lot of a story in my own childhood. I've written about it before. But it's weird because it's so pivotal. I'm 44 now, and this must have happened when maybe I was 13 or 14, maybe. That's how long ago. But I remember it like it was yesterday. Of course you do. (laughs) I mean, it's like this tender middle school age, right, mm -hmm. where we are kind of gangly, growing into our bodies. And I was a really, really scrawny kid, like Mm – skin and bones, no matter how much I ate. I was just scrawny. I was really tall, all gangly elbows and knees is how I felt. And But of course, in your head, you imagine yourself a certain way. And I was growing out my hair and hoping I looked, <laughs> you know, my outside could match up with how I was trying to imagine myself on the inside with my flowing locks and <laughs> my tall statuesque frame. But sadly, I don't think that is how I came off at 13. Um, but I remember an afternoon where my mom took me to a hair dresser to get a haircut. And I think it stands out in my mind for several reasons. One, it wasn't just the equivalent of like a haircuttery. It was a very trendy salon. And I think my mom took me there because of my age. Uh, and she was trying to give me that experience of going to a trendy salon uh, and getting your hair cut and feeling cool and all the things you're trying desperately to feel at 13, but you don't know how to. And so to her credit, she took me to this lovely, beautiful, very we say in South Africa, do you say this here, la da? Do you oh, know that sure. expression? Yeah. And they'll also say Larney. It was very Larney Oh, salon. Larney. No, I've <laughs> never <laughs> heard that. <laughs> it's very Larney, is how we would say Larnie.
1: it. Larney. Wow. I know.
0: Funny. So it's this was very Larney salon. So I was kind of shy and nervous as we walked in. And, I, you know, you're awkward in your body as it is. Mm-hmm. And I sit down for the hairdresser to cut my hair. And he, I remember him vividly, was a hyper. Trendy, probably like a little too old to be dressed with the ponytail and the low v neck (laughs) that he was wearing. I think he had an earring. You know, he was in the hairdresser trying to be edgy. And I sit down in his chair and he starts combing my hair and he's washed it and he's now combing it out to cut it. And my mom is standing, you know, behind him. And as he starts trimming, I can feel every time he combs, he hits my ear, and it's quite painful because he hits into it quite forcefully, and then keeps scratching through to Ooh, comb it. Oh, I hate it. that oh, feeling! It's so awful. Ugh. And so as it, it happens several times, and I can tell he's getting frustrated. And it's a weird moment because you, I, in my first reaction is like, "What? What's wrong? You know, what's wrong with me? What's, what's wrong wrong with happening?" Me, right. And then I hear him mutter under his breath to my mother she has really big ears that stick out, doesn't she? And I just wanted to die as if my ears have now somehow offended his comb and his scissors because they're in his way as he's trying to create art. Completely passing moment. I mean, not even a blink. And then it was passed, right? My mom didn't say anything. He kept cutting my hair with irritation like Christy well into my 30s I kid you not anytime I got a haircut I would sort of as an aside say to the hairdresser I'm sorry my ears kind of stick out just so you know it's <gasps> as if Aww. I need to constantly apologize, apologize for my hair horrendous hair- satellite ears you know? <laughs> like, and I think it's why for a long time I had I had long hair because I felt like it covered up my
1: Aww.
0: horrifying ears you know if you've seen the movie the BFG picture his mm. ears okay? <laughs> that is how I imagined my own ears too be. Until one day in my 30s, I made this throwaway comment to a hairdresser who made just as throwaway comment back to me. They don't seem big to me. They seem totally normal and kept cutting my hair. And right in that moment, it was as if two decades later, someone unpinned the label that had been pinned on to me at 13. And I've thought about it so much since then. Why did it take me 20 years? Why did somebody else have to tell me my ears were fine? Why couldn't I (laughs) just think to myself, that's so dumb that he said that, or how rude it was that he said that? Or what if my mom had taken a moment in the middle of her busy schedule to say Mm. to him, what are you you talking about? Her ears are fine, fine, you know? (laughs) And to tell me afterwards what cute ears I had, whatever it is that that moms need to say, why didn't she say it? And I think about that because I'm a parent too, and I now know what it's like on the other side when you are tired and constantly in the middle of trying to do something nice for your kid and you just don't always notice everything that might impact them. And so- When I think about that story, and then I think about your story about your two big driveway, (laughs) it just made me laugh, but it made part of me ache because I think for those of you listening, can you imagine with me those ordinary moments in your life where you have let somebody, and maybe that somebody was you, pin a label onto a part of your life or your body or your home or your children? Oh, she's got those loud, unruly children. And you've just let them pin it and you've accepted it as truth. Oh, that's Mm -hmm. hard, right? Mm -hmm. In the middle of our ordinary lives, those are the moments that we just let skate right by us and then absorb it into the fabric of who we are until you come out 30 years later and you've got all these pieces of paper pinned all over your body with words saying things about you that you've just accepted as truth. And there's a very good chance they
1: are just not. I'm wondering, too, listening to you, I'm thinking about just the word label. A label might not even be a negative thing necessarily. It might be just a label. Oh, okay, I so, like that.
0: Okay. Unpack that So, when for I was me. a
1: kid, so you've told a story about your childhood, so I was trying to remember. Oh, like there wasn't necessarily a negative intention. Okay. I'll, right. I'll stop talking. Right. <laughs> I have okay. been told in the okay. past that I'm too loud. So. <laughs> dear! oh dear here we go we're gonna unpack all <laughs> kinds of, <laughs> of go, people. childhood baggage right? <laughs> no i i'm just i'm remembering that i had a label as a kid mm.
0: i'm guessing we all did probably yeah, yeah. yeah
1: my label um within my family was bookworm mm. she's the one with her nose in a book yeah that's that was me it sounds about right yeah it's a- absolutely in a positive it was, way it was true then it. yeah. it's true now yeah, yeah. That was my label, but I'm remembering now how I felt when people use the label. Hmm. My parents or siblings, or and I, I'm thinking now again from the perspective of a mom right. that it might have been done. It probably was done. I'm sure it was done with affection. Right. It was a way of seeing me, of noticing me. This is our child who has re- who loves to read. Mm. But I heard as a kid, this is a this makes me different mm. and i don't know maybe it's just a natural thing as you're growing uh, or maybe kind of goodness actually now i'm realizing i think it's probably true even for us now as as adults anything that makes it that calls us out mm. that labels us yeah even if it's not negative might might become baggage yeah. <laughs> on our back it might become something that is heavy and it, it may not even be the fault of of the person who, yeah. who gave the right. label, right? They might well, just be, like the guy in your driveway. Right. Right. I don't, he don't think he was making it. a pejorative comment about the size. <laughs> it might be all in how we receive fact. it just yeah. like at the
0: time i did have big I I, I I don't know if i had big ears but my ears somehow brushed up against his comb and you like to read books like the yeah. fact piece is not is it, neither yeah. positive nor yeah. negative necessarily yeah. it's the implication that we we allow to become part of our right. dna after and, and that
1: to grow and yeah, to, yeah negative and implication. To shape negative mm-hmm. so so i'm intrigued by this thought of what would it be to to stop in the moment and to realize wait a second this thing i'm I'm, what is it? I'm giving it more power than it mm-hmm. deserves, or I'm allowing it to mean more than it needs to mean, mm-hmm. or, um, you know, is there, so, is there something in how we speak to others? Like, do we need mm-hmm. to be more careful? I, the, so, the, yeah, these are just questions I have right now as I think about these stories, because I, I can tell you right now, I'm sure... I speak about my own kids or others in my life with labels. They are kind of mm. shorthand or Yeah, there are
0: shortcuts somehow. Shortcuts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: and shortcuts towards understanding one another or introducing one another. You know, here's my friend who blah blah blah. Right. So, you know, we I guess we need labels to a certain extent. Um, but how do we how do we use them well? How do we, right. um, you know, do we need to be more careful with them?
0: And how do we take ownership for the ones that we allow to live with us or not? Mm-hmm. Because I have always loved one of my favorite things in scripture about Jesus's friends, it's very interesting how they understood themselves in relation to him. And scripture sort of labels some of them. Like when we think about Peter, right? Oh, he's the unruly one. He just shoots off his mouth. Thomas the doubter. Thomas the doubter. (laughs) Judas the betrayer. But that wasn't the whole of who they were, obviously. But I'm telling you, the one that has it's funny, it first seems so presumptuous to me, and who does he think he is to call himself that? But as I've gotten older, I've been like, ooh, I do I have the courage to label myself that. Oh. But I love how – do you know where I'm going with this? I don't, no. I love how John – uh-huh. Introduces himself. Oh, you're right. As the disciple whom Jesus loved. loved. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, the gumption, right? right. That's what I used to think. I used to think, wow, he sure thinks a lot of himself. At first, actually, before that, when I really was very new and young to understanding Scripture, I used to think, wow, that's so unfair that Jesus loved one of them more than the others. <laughs> like as if that was. The fact yeah. that he is this yeah. above the others. But what I've come to learn is that is how John saw himself in relation to Jesus. He embraced that label. Yes, because he knows it's true because that is how each of us is. I am Lisa Joe, the, mm. mm. the disciple whom Jesus loves. You're Christy, the disciple whom mm. Jesus loves. And so as I've gotten older and I've looked back <laughs> sort of across my wrinkles and labels, <laughs> I've realized oh, I actually have the autonomy to decide which of these are part of the fabric of who I am and which are not? Mm. And some labels that might appear negative, so for you, bookworm, mm-hmm. but look at that. You've really stepped into
1: the fullness really of
0: that. That is, you got a degree in English. Yeah. You were going to be a professor. Now you write books, you teach on the internet, you host a podcast.
1: Bookworm extraordinaire. There you go. is so beautiful? Yeah. And
0: I remember being really hurt once when a friend said to me, oh, Lisa Jo, you're just so loud. Mm. And I still... I struggled for so long to understand what did she mean by that? Mm. But I've come to really embrace that as, yes, that is one of my gifts. I am able to process verbally. I love to talk to people for Mm. hours. I want to share my thoughts with you. Sure, there are places where I can learn it might be better to be quiet now. Now it's time for listening. But that label doesn't only have to define me in a negative sense. And so, I think as we walk just through our ordinary everyday moments, it's so interesting now that I'm older to actually slow down enough to say, what are the labels I've accumulated mm-hmm. that I don't need to carry anymore? Mm-hmm. And what are the labels I want? I want to be Lisa Joe, the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's I want to receive that. And And it defines every other part of me, right? Mm -hmm. Whether I have sticky out ears or too thin Mm -hmm. hair, which I was convinced I had for for a long time too, or no fashion sense, which I was certain I was true about me because after my mom passed away, I just never had a female role model in my Mm -hmm. life. And so I went for years thinking I didn't know how to dress or put an outfit together or anything until a good... I used to make fun of myself anytime I was at a speaking event about how I... I didn't compare it to the other speakers until one day I had a friend come aside and tell me, Lisa Jo, you look just like everybody else who was up there today. I
1: think of you as very stylish. I think of myself as sort of doing her own thing over there, but you as stylish. because i think of you as like you're so
0: super confident like you don't you just wear whatever you want and you're like that artistic poet who's at her home and everybody just is like oh she's just her own person we just i'm just trying to be comfortable the rest of us are all trying to fit in and
1: i know see see, right right. we
0: do this thing and wouldn't it be wonderful if we took time this week to go and offer the positive version of labels that we mm. see in other people, mm. right? Like how wonderful to affirm them and say, I see this in you. I see oh, that's this, this version of motherhood in you. And I see you as a writer in this way. I see you as an artist for the pictures you po- you post on Instagram. I love eating at your house. Your food is so good. I just think that in our, in our ordinary rhythms, there are so many opportunities throughout the day to offer positive labels to people.
1: Because hmm. in the stories you've told, it was other, consistently, yeah, it was other, other people, people who didn't even necessarily know the right. story you'd been carrying, the label you'd been carrying right. around, who, with their words... Right. Pulled it right off. Pulled it off. Unpinned it. I oh, mean. How fun you, to think that I we know. could do that for I mean, someone. You just called me stylish right now. I'm going
0: to lie in bed tonight and that's going to make yes. me happy. <laughs> oh I do God. not see myself that way at all. Ever. Uh, I don't know that I will ever be able to think you put those clothes together well. I always just uh, feel wow. like someone is going to be like, what is she wearing? Like, yeah. how did she choose that? That's so weird. Especially when a large part of your job is sometimes being on stages and yeah. talking. I have panic often and i ask i you guys i ask my 7 year old daughter if
1: she thinks i look oh. okay <laughs> You have a very stylish seven-year-old She's daughter stylish. too, so I, I think that's that's probably a good idea. Keep asking yeah. Zoe. I, I might start asking Zoe.
0: <laughs> I just encourage us, especially when it comes to our kids too, I think often about that moment with my mom if she had said something different. Mm. What would have happened? You know how mm-hmm. painful it is, the stories that we just let be attached to ourselves. And as children, it's very hard to stand up for the version of, of who we think we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes a lot of courage and And a sense of people around us who've created a sense of security in us enough that we're okay with saying who we are. Mm -hmm. Actually, speaking of my daughter, one of my favorite moments with her, because she really knows who she is, and you know this about her, and she's not afraid to tell you, and... I think because I've spent a lot of time helping her with certain labels people try and put on her. So, for example, she's like her mom. She likes to talk a lot. She's also a verbal processor. So, she's constantly told in kindergarten, in first grade, in second grade, Zoe talks too much. It's Mm. what she gets in trouble with the most because she talks too much. And so, she will often come home and tell me, Mom, do I talk too much? Now, I know it would be untrue to say she doesn't. Mm right? It would be untrue to say, no, you you don't talk too much. You're just fine. Because she does talk more than most kids. But instead, what I'm trying to do is take that label and write over it A new version of how to receive the meaning behind that label. So I love to say to her, oh, Zoe, yes, it's one of my favorite things about you. You have so much to say, and you're so smart, and you think out loud, and you share your ideas, and you're kind. You include all the people around you. Mm -hmm. I see my job as her mom to reframe the labels that are given to my kids in a way I wish my mom had done in that moment in the hairdresser's Mm -hmm. salon what Mm -hmm. are you talking about her ears look at her gorgeous hair Mm -hmm. are you crazy isn't Mm -hmm. it your job to cut around ears like (laughs) come on man (laughs) and I think it's been so fun in those moments with Zoe to help her understand that weakness as a strength you know this you speak a lot and it can be distracting in class but guess what one day Who knows what you're going to do with that gift, that gift of the gab that you have. And so we've encouraged her in her independence when it comes to speaking. And we talk about when is it time to be quiet in class? When is it time to listen? But when is it time to be just fine, where you're allowed to chat and you are you don't have to be afraid to speak your mind? And there was such a great moment we reaped from that because she came home one day and told us it had been picture day. She got dressed up just like any seven-year-old girl does. She went off to picture day very excited and came home to tell me, mostly shocked and dismayed, that the photographer, and honestly, I don't understand the logic behind this, had informed all these second graders not to smile. What? I I don't understand (laughs) it. I don't know if it's because they were trying to avoid like really weird goofy grins. Maybe, If they were trying to keep the kids under, you know control, to keep them calm and manageable. I don't know. But he told my daughter, okay, no smiling though. And she said, mom, I looked at him and I told him, I don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) What? And she's like, I don't do no smiling. Smiling's my thing, just like talking's my thing.
1: Oh, I love (laughs) that. so that's what she'll tell us these days. Talking's my thing. And I... How funny to think that these labels might actually... stick on us in the very places that are our strength, our giftedness, you know, so, okay, so I am maybe not so sensitive to comments about my appearance for whatever reason, I don't know, but I am very sensitive, apparently, to comments (laughs) about my driveway. Your house. (laughs) My house. But that's it, because I pour myself into the place where I live, and I have done that my whole life, whether yeah. it was my childhood dollhouse or I mean, my your whole placemaker is right. entirely about that. It's right. the story of all the all places, different places. That Christy has loved. Grand or humble, wherever I've been, for better or worse, sometimes it has broken my heart, mm-hmm. but I have poured my love into my place. Yeah. Even when that place didn't always love me back. But <laughs> so I've done that. So what that means is when I share my place, when I invite someone into my home. Mm-hmm a comment they might make very casually about the place and quite rightly they think they are just making a comment about an inanimate An observation object, right yes, an observation about the apartment building or the driveway or the you know whatever it is. I I take it personally. Mm. And I I shouldn't do that. I need to be careful. So this conversation we're having is helping me to think about ways that I um, internalize and personalize things Mm. that are not actually about me. But also, I'm realizing I do that for a reason, Mm. and I do it because the gift I have is a gift for placemaking. Yeah, placemaking is your thing. Like talking those things. Placemaking is your thing, Christy. Is my thing. (laughs) And and understanding that it's my thing. Understanding that's my calling. Understand understanding that's something that I think I've been put here to encourage others to you know to just participate in makes me vulnerable. Yeah, and that's just the price I will pay, and that that's that's okay. That's yeah. okay. I just have to be aware of that. Right. I just have to be aware that I'm always going to be extra sensitive to comments about the places I'm making, mm-hmm. um, but I don't have to let those comments stick to me in ways that are too heavy, too mm-hmm. burdensome, damaging, right. um, I need to and hold them out. And
0: learning just, I think it's a muscle we exercise pushing back against labels that people put on us. Hmm. And I like that my seven-year-old now <laughs> will say, yes, talking's my thing. Talking's
1: my thing. When
0: people <laughs> say that to her, I think that's great that she knows what her thing is, you know? And so for, for me, I've had to learn too, yeah, talking's my thing too. People are my thing. I love them. So is that our challenge for our listeners today? What's think your about thing? What, yeah, what's what is your, your thing? What's your because thing? Because I remember when I was sharing on my Instagram stories, all about Marie Kondo, right? How I discovered her, how much I loved her. I was so emotional about it. And I, some people did not get it. They just thought I was, it was really weird that mm. I went on and on about it. But I realized in retrospect, it's because people are my thing. Uh, and I love how Marie Kondo loves people. Yeah. And so now she's my thing. And I have to tell you about her. Yeah. The things I love, I have to tell other people about immediately. Like, look mm. at this thing I love. How many times, Christy, have I been like, you're wrong that you don't like this book or that you don't <laughs> think this is, great writing or that yeah. you haven't watched that show I have to have my people love the things I love yeah. because it's part of connecting with them so it'd be really fun to hear from you guys this week if there is a label that you've changed this hmm. week or a positive you've found in that label hmm. that, that or a label that you've realized helps you understand what your thing
1: is Yeah, I'm a bookworm and I'm a placemaker <laughs> <laughs> and you're a people person I'm too loud and I love the people uh. <laughs> And I have
0: the same ears, but probably they fit better a 44-year-old than a (laughs) 13-year-old.
1: That's true. Maybe some things we just have to grow into them. Maybe you grew into
0: your ears. I love that. Some things we just do
1: have to grow into.